Greetings, episode 29, I refuse, or as Groucho used to say, I refuse to be a member of any club that would have me as a member. What are we going to talk about today? All these groups that are out there in law enforcement. Some of them are specific in nature, maybe like the Narcotics Association or a fingerprint technician group, but some deal in ethnic backgrounds. What's the purpose of that? Is it to move a specific agenda? Does it have a good intent or bad intent? Do they just throw parties? What in the world are these groups all about? Well, we're going to look at that and much, much more today on El Police Radio. Welcome back. I'm Alpha Mike. I'm your host for today's episode number 29, I Refuse. And what would you, what are we going to really be talking about? Well, we're going to be talking about these groups, uh, ethnic groups and professional law enforcement groups. There are many. There are mixed. They all have different agendas. And they all have been around for many, many years. But the question is today, why? Why are they there? Are they needed? Do they help? Do they hurt? Or it doesn't really make a difference. But as always, we have a lot of other things that we have on the agenda today, too. You know, recently, I had the pleasure of uh, going to T-Mobile. And uh, that's my subscriber. And I went there for specific issue with I couldn't get in my account and all this other baloney but you call the 1-800 number but we can't do it but if you go to a store and all that oh waddy waddy what you know I think in the advances of technology we get stupider and worse as we go along so anyway I end up going to to the local uh, T-Mobile store and it can't be an affiliate it has to be an actual store so good luck in trying to figure that one out and uh, I'm there uh, in regards to my account. Boom, boom, boom. Hit a couple of buttons. Okay, we're finally in there. Boom, out of there. Now, on the way out, they offer me a line. No, not 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 that type of line, but a line, an extra line. And I go, well, what would I want an extra line? Well, you can get it uh, if you have a smartwatch. I don't have a smartwatch. 
Well, if you ever get one. Well, I'm not interested in getting one. Well, it's only $15. Well, I'm not going to spend that. Well, no, you don't have to spend it. It's free. Okay, but why would I, you know, get it if, I'm, if I don't need it? I don't have a watch, so why, why do it? Well, you can hold on to the introductional rate of $15 if you ever change your mind. Well, because of the persistence over and over again, I go, okay, well, so I'm not going to be charged? No, you're not going to be charged. But you get the line. That's all you want at these rates now. So whenever you decide, all right, give me the freaking line. So you give me a card, a little chip on it, and I go, is this the line? No, this is just for you to remember. What the hell's the purpose of giving me a chip? All right, so I'd stick that in the wallet. Okay, thank you very much. Goodbye. Following month comes by. There's the bill. Open it up. Guess what's in there? That's right, $15 bill. So I call T-Mobile. Now, remember, our friends over at the 1-800 number in T-Mobile are not that great because they send you to the local store to figure things out. So I keep my fingers crossed. I dial 1-800 T-Mobile, and I tell them, why am I being charged $15 for something that you said you weren't going to give me a charge for, but now I see a charge? No, 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 sir. The way it works is in the bill, there'll be a charge, but it's actually a minus so in other words, we charge you, but T-Mobile picks up the charge, so you're not really being charged. And so whenever you're ready to get it, then you'll be charged. But for now, you're not being charged. But on paper, you're being charged, but you're not really being charged. And I go, okay, well, when I went to school, I was told that the negative sign meant that it was minus, and the plus sign meant that it was credited. So this one doesn't have a minus sign. So to make a long story short, at the end of the day, I'm not being charged for something I'm really being charged and I can use whenever I want to use. So if this doesn't make any sense and it's frustrating the hell out of you like it frustrated the hell out of me, let's go to the news and do the LP countdown. Didn't that sound like a Groucho Marx? Uh, if you ever see our so Groucho Marx, one of his joke lines. Sure did to me, but that T-Mobile thing was frustrating. But our first story, and of course, our, our friend over at, um, at New York City, Mayor Big Bird, always, always, never, never, never disappoints us with some foolishness as usual. City of uh, New York City plans to... Spend $1.1 billion to house homeless people in commercial hotels over the next three years, officials said Tuesday, while the de Blasio administration has to rely on one last-minute emergency-based system for booking hotel systems. The controversial practice was only recently formalized into a three-year contract totaling $364 million a year, folks. Those costs will include a range of support services for family house and units which often lack kitchens including purchases of refrigerated microwaves our spending on hotels is absolutely alarming and it's one reason we have the department of homeless services on our budget watch list control controller scott stingler said about the contract this is another example of the lunatic left, okay, constantly out there trying to ruin America 
one city at a time, said. Two. The wizards over at Uber, trying to get their uh, car system in place, found out it doesn't work necessarily the way they wanted. San Francisco Uber rob robotic vehicle project was not living up to expectations months before self-driven cars operated by companies struck and killed a woman in Temple, Arizona. The car were having trouble dri driving through construction zones next to tall vehicles like big rigs, and Uber, human driver, had to navigate through these situations. Uh, Waymo, formerly the self-driven car project of Google, said that in its test in roads in California last year, the car went an average of nearly 5,600 miles before it had issues. But according to the goofs over at Uber, they're struggling to get 13 miles. This is another thing, and we're going to have a, a podcast about this in the upcoming months. The wacky leftist billionaire enterprises such as Twitter, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Uber, all these wackos, why are they trying to control everything? Hmm. I don't know. guess we'll find out later. Three. And our last story on L Police Radio countdown list here is uh, NYPD officers saved suicidal man from bridge. And it's not much um, really a big news item or big ticket item, but I will be posting this on lpoliceradio.com. And basically it's a, a young man who's a 31-year-old man tried to uh, jump off uh, a bridge, and he is rescued by an NYPD emergency service officer unit officer by the name of Sanchez, which kind of grabs the guy. I guess he caught him off guard, yanks him towards him, and uh, he had something around his neck. So uh, he went in unconscious, and as a result of that, they performed CPR. But they basically saved the guy's life. But again, it's not necessarily the story aspect, but in police work and law enforcement, usually any type of news is negative. We wanted to post something heroic that one of the good guys is doing. So that'll be on lpoliceradio.com on our show notes as well. So let's uh, move on to the main ingredient now. I refuse to be a member of any organization that would have me as a member. Famous quote slash joke from the legendary Groucho Marx comedian. You know, I was listening to some of his routines um, just prior to doing this show on YouTube. And a lot of his jokes were just one-liners. And in today's society, he would have got thrown out of Hollywood for being a racist bigot and everything else. It wouldn't have been pretty for poor old Groucho in today's society. But nevertheless, we use his intro one-liner for this podcast. There are so many organizations out there in law enforcement. A lot of them positive. A lot of them have different agendas. Like any group in any society, 
There are good and bad of everything. The majority of them are, of course, 501s, and they're nonprofit. They usually have a specific purpose. Sometimes they run grants. Sometimes they do contribution to uh, an array of things from children to families of lost officers and so forth. So there's a lot of good out of this. There's not necessarily negative, and that's not the tone that I'm trying to place here. But when we came up with the name of this uh, specific episode, it is I Refuse. Well, there's two types of individuals, those that will join a specific group for a specific purpose or self-serving purpose, or those that believe in the effort of the group and therefore they're going to basically assist the group in their efforts. There are two. Now, the latter one is usually the one that people hide behind. The first one, usually they kind of mask that as they enter and uh, become a part of the organization. Now, there are specifically what we want to concentrate on here because there are many law enforcement groups from, as I said, um, narcotics association to homicide officers to, to mounted police. There are all kinds of groups, some specific in nature within the framework of what they do in law enforcement, and some are on the lines of ethnic ethnicity, such as uh, Italian-American law enforcement groups or Irish uh, law enforcement groups, black, Hispanic, Asian. The list continues. The list goes on, Polish, and we'll post those and list those on our show notes for El Police Radio on episode number 29 so you can see a list of them. But some groups, and I'm not picking on any specific group or race, kind of have a reason for forming their groups. Some of these groups go back to the early or mid-40s. They've been around a long time. They, they just weren't hatched the other day. And they've mortified into other things. Some groups control specific agencies in asso- through their associations. Uh, the rank and file are the same as the group. Therefore, they control a large entity of that organization or that department. And so they run a lot of behind-the-scenes issues as well. Some of these groups are very political very political, but not in the sense of what you might think political is. There are political agendas that they are looking for. But most of these groups deal within the ethnicity of their race. Some promote understanding of their race through their cultural um, benefit of their own group. So they want to instill the or they want to become a liaison between their group, community, and law enforcement. Some, on the other hand, want to bring their traditions of their group to law enforcement. So whatever avenue you look at these groups, um, by and large, all of them, the vast majority of them, better said, are peaceful great groups with a tremendous purpose for them. But we live in a society that is so touchy-feely 
sometimes if you say that you're a part of one of these groups, you might offend a whole different segment out there. There's also been evidence, and I know this firsthand, that some governments have created these groups to offset an actual group forming and becoming a problem for that government. What the hell did he just say? Well, it's easy. So let's say we're talking about the blue people. So I know that the blue people are more and more of a population in my given geographical area, city, county, town, whatever it is. So I know I have a couple of blue officers in the department, and I'm not really looking forward to having half the department become blue. So what I'll do is I'll have these blue officers create an association. The department will align themselves behind that blue group so it gives a perception that there is trust between the agency and the government and the blues, and therefore they're promoting blue things, but keeping the census or the population of blue not in the ranks. I've seen that. I know it exists. And these governments will allow certain groups to run wild. Not in the sense of a bad way, but they can pretty much do whatever they want, pick where they want to work within the agency as long as they control the blue group. Some people promote their groups for the betterment of their community. So we have a lot of theories. So we're not trying to pin one or the other. What we are doing is concentrating on why do these groups exist and should they? You know, in my career, I saw a lot of people get promoted that you had to scratch your head and you really had to come to your senses and say, what in the hell just happened? Did this person that is borderline buffoon get promoted? And then you start seeing this individual rising through the ranks, no stopping the person. They're like a rocket heading up to the moon. And you start to wonder, how is this happening? Is there something behind the scenes? And there's where I really want to go. A lot of these groups work behind the scenes. And how do, you, how do I know? Well, I was one of those in that theater of events working behind the scenes. Not everything is sinister when you work behind the scenes. I know there's a lot of patriots out there that bang their chests and say, see, this is what we have to kill. No, they're behind the scene workings, not only in groups, but in unions as well. Clicks that merge within agencies, not necessarily an official group. But they're, nevertheless, they're a clique, and as they promote their own people, or there's also nepotism. That becomes a group, too. So we're not focusing on this one sinister uh, outlook. What we are looking at is why do the groups exist? Promote my ethnic background. Now, I can only talk from experience, and my experience is within the Hispanic group. 
because that's what I am. I was born in this country, I was born in New York City, raised there. So before you want to check my immigrated status and throw me out of here, um, my purpose of running with a, with specific groups in over 20 years was not necessarily to promote the ethnicity, but to have recognition of those Hispanics that were going up the ranks in a specific agency that had talent, but because there were other groups, unofficial groups, such as cliques or nepotism or what have you, they would outshadow the abilities of some of these people. Therefore, the, the person in the clique would get the promotion a lot faster than anybody else. So what our group specifically did at times was promote these individuals. And we never told anybody, pick this person, pick that person. We never influenced. We always gave them an array, a spread, and you pick the one you want. But what we wanted was a fair shake. So a lot of these groups were formulated in a struggle. And all of them had struggles. When you think of these groups, don't think about specifically today's society. Go back for the, to the foundation of these groups. Some of them as, uh, as late as uh, 1940, after the war. Why did these groups formalize? Well, they thought that in, in, in rank they had numbers and that provided them the power. It's not like that today, although there are a lot of groups that they promote their ethnicity through parties. And what they'd have is a general party every year. Everybody buys a ticket and they kind of have, uh, in my experience, salsa uh, night. And that's what the group is known for. But behind the scenes, these groups are something else. So how does this all mix into law enforcement and its administrations? Well, as I, did, as I took my journey through these groups, I started always, I always ran into one or two things that were very curious to me, that during that time I was in there, I couldn't understand some of the mindset. I would see things that just didn't make sense to me because I was holding the law enforcement umbrella. But some of these other individuals were holding another umbrella, not necessarily the law enforcement one. So it became confusing to me. One, one such group that was uh, focused out west of the United States, uh, I remember one general meeting packed to the rim with over 500 people, delegates from all over the country. And we were from Florida and specifically Miami. And an individual from another geographical area in the United States that was a delegate also rose in opposition to our group because we were getting an executive position. We had, of course, there was going to be an election for it, but they didn't like how we just were thrown into that um, election delegate 
uh, runoff. And it was done because it was the organization wanted to spread out, spread out a little bit of the wealth all around the country. So the individual rose in opposition and referred to us as those people. <laughs> That's right, folks. Within the Hispanic community, you might be shocked to learn there is racism amongst ourselves. What bounds, what is the bounds and the glue that holds Hispanics together? A common language. Not necessarily nationality of, of country. You're not a nationalist. You fly your own flag. What makes you bonded together is basically because you have a common denominator, which is language. Some other groups, religion is what binds them. Some other groups, it's color. Some, of course, rally around the nationality. So there are different types of groups. But for the Hispanics, more, more or less, well, a binding issue is our, our language. We speak, other than English, Spanish. And that is uh, associated with over 26 countries in Latin America and, and, of course, Spain as well, which is the motherland. So that binds us, but we're not all created equal. We all look differently. Hispanics being one of those cultural um, countries, Spain, that were dominated by uh, the Moors, which were Arabic in nature for 700 years. So there was a lot of culture blended in Spain, and as a result of that, uh, the official language, which is not really Spanish, but Spanish is really a dialect of those cultures all mixed into one. And uh, I'm not going to bore you with that, that history lesson. But and when you now focus on Hispanics in Central America, South America, the Caribbean, oh, it starts to get a little more foggy. People don't look the same. People don't talk the same. And some of their Spanishes are different from some others. Some things you say are totally different in some other Hispanic countries. So when our friend rose in opposition and said, those people... Well, he was referring to a new group of individuals that were being introduced into the totality of the group itself. And that was primarily Cuban-Americans, especially from Miami. So our fame on that day was you people. And, of course, it was smoothing out with smooches and all that in the back rooms, but we in Miami knew exactly what it meant. And I'm not going to bore you with the details, but things were done, people were moved, people left, and other things were created as a result to what we tasted that day. So some groups are not playing well with others, even though they might be of the same race. What are we trying to point out in this podcast? Well, they are law enforcement groups that exist. Some are professional in nature, specific in origin. Some are rallied around nationality. Okay, they're nationalists of that nationality. And some 
are there because they have another agenda. So they'll hide behind a specific um, theme, but they're actually working behind the scenes for a self-serving position or a higher calling has told them to take the throne here, and usually it's governments. Remember we talked about the blue people. So when you deal with these groups, and they've really gone down in numbers, people are not as hospitable as they once were. But I'm going back to my original story about the rising in opposition of our group. What was troubling me before that comment was made were certain agendas that seemed a little bit left to me, where law enforcement is mostly pro-right and made me and my fellow Miamians scratch our heads. Well, as the years went on and we moved on, the mass started to fall on a lot of these individuals and we started seeing their pro liberal approach that some of them were dancing to the tune of the Democratic Party. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but what I am saying is today, and I think it was the election of President Trump, it took the mask off a lot of people when when Hillary lost. It kind of showed their true colors. And now even so in these groups, these people that had a little strange philosophy on certain positions, you can see them out there advocating for all kinds of things from gun control to being sanctuary cities and so forth and telling you how important it is. Trying to put a, a, a law enforcement twist to the argument. Well, you see, if we start arresting all the immigrants they will fail to report crime and therefore will be crime-ridden cities and if we don't control weapons look what's happening with these shootings and all this and they put that little twist that's a little strange to what the majority of law enforcement officers really think overall a lot of law enforcement officers have just ignored it acting like it's not the elephant in the room. But it is, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm starting to see more and more agencies advocating for violation of people's amendment rights, like the Second Amendment, through agencies' belief now in something that comes from a political party. Is law enforcement losing their touch? Are these groups a part of that? I believe so. And I think it's a little bit more dangerous than what people think. Are all the groups doing it? Nope, they absolutely won't. But I'm going to give you a couple of signs on how to recognize them. If they're politically active, get away from them. If their agenda has to always have a politician as a guest speaker, run. Run out of there as fast as your freaking feet will take you. If they are a little bit more centered and towards left in philosophy, you could be dealing in something you don't want to. Folks, even if you're going to be a member of these groups, be an educated consumer and find out what their true agenda is all about. And that's my minute. 
and we're going to go into the 09 Training Group Rally. Suicide and suicide prevention. Of course, when I went through the academy, suicide prevention was nothing more than a pamphlet. Basically told you things to look forward to in your law enforcement career and how to look out for certain signs. It has now become more of a science, more of a demand, more of a liability, especially for law enforcement agencies. Suicide has no prejudice. It does not look based on race and does not look based on um, sex or ethnicity. It basically engulfs anybody, anytime, anywhere. But there are certain signs. Now, when I had the pleasure of teaching of this specific topic to uh, law enforcement officers, many of them believed if somebody truly wants to kill themselves, there's nothing you can do. Right there, you've just defeated yourself in a concept that you're basically saying, does not matter what I say or what I do, I can never stop what their mindset is. What you can do is open up their mind. Specifically, we're going to look at a couple of elements that exist in every individual that is suicidal in nature. Two signs, hopelessness and helplessness. They feel helpless. There's nothing they can do. Their situation, their situation, they only see it as an end to self, basic suicide, which is translated as a permanent solution to a temporary problem. So they are ready to commit that act. Hopeless in their situations, that's the only thing they see. Helpless as well. They can't get out of whatever their problem is. So they reach out towards the end. Some people are mentally ill and they actually believe that if they kill themselves, they're not really going to die. They're going to punish you. Why? Because you'll cry over their coffin as they lie there dead. They necessarily don't see themselves as being the person in the coffin. Sick? Of course, it's called mental illness and that's why it is dangerous. But most important thing that you have to remember with suicide and suicide prevention You can be the catalyst to make that stop. How? See something? Say something? Well, it's a corny phrase, but it's one that in law enforcement really doesn't exist. Too many law enforcement officers are putting an end to their lives. The numbers have gone down somewhat, but in retirement, they've gone a little bit farther up on the scale than anybody would like. Of course, anybody, one person committing the act, A lot of people feel guilty. Could I have done more? So in this training minute, we want to not only recognize helplessness and hopelessness, but recognition and intervention. If if you talk to somebody and they're kind of avoiding what the problem is and you feel something's not right, don't be like countless other law enforcement officers that have moved on from their careers in retirement and know so many that have eaten a bullet and killed themselves because so many failed to report what they felt. That's Alpha Mike in this 09 Training Minute. Now, 
It's time for the conversation. On this conversation, I want to specifically talk about regrets. Now, there are many people that are out there that usually say, well, I have no regrets in life. Well, I can assure you the older you get, the wiser you get, and as a result of that, you can look back at your life and think about things and say, you know, I wish it didn't go down that way, and therefore you have a regret. Regrets are there in the subconscious created by God for us to reflect on what we've done or what we were a part of. And it's to give us a chance of redemption. How important is regret in our lives? Well, it builds fabric. It builds fiber. It builds who you are. If you went around life being perfect all the time and you had nothing else to fear, you would be a perfect individual unbeknownst to anybody else in the world, you are almost a living God. But since we know that that's all fantasy because we all have imperfections, regret is something that not necessarily does us bad, but it can do us a world of good. If we use regret correctly and we focus on how to do better and what made us regret in the first place, for it not to be repeated. That could be a valuable tool. The most important thing in our reflection of regret is change. Making a 180-degree turn towards change after we've understood our mistakes. And when you make that turn, you have a decision to make. Should I make that turn by myself Or should I be accompanied by the Most High God? Well, I know that if you make the decision of doing it by yourself, you're almost going to fail. At some point, that journey is going to seem almost impossible, and you may fall. The Scripture says, Curse is the man that depends on another man. If your dependency is on God, when you make that turn, and you journey with him, there's no way you can fail. All the road might be bumpy. You might trip. But he is faithful to catch you if you do. And by chance, if you do fall, he will lift you up with such magnificence that you won't even regret that you fell. Yep. So what's up next on El Police Radio? Well, we have episode number 30. We always come up with a list of things. We usually do things like maybe 30 days in advance, which would translate into being about four shows in advance. And sometimes they seem like real good concepts. Yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, we're going to do that. Yeah, we're going to do the other thing. And then we find out, wait a minute, well, I don't have enough material for this or for that or whatever. But episode number 30 is going to be jail, what jail? And we're going to be looking at that April 12th. And specifically, what are we going to be talking about? Rikers Island, New York City. And how they 
are basically going to start closing down jails in Rikers Island and replacing with, who knows? That's the purpose of the article. I, I don't even think that the city of New York knows. But there is a, some growing event that is occurring with all these closures of jails in different jurisdictions. Why is that? Where in the world did crime disappear to? Is it because of higher sentences? Is it as a result that people are now fearing the law? Are people more prone to doing good than bad? Well, the population has grown. Something doesn't just come up mathematically. If in your jurisdiction they have closed one or two jails, there should be an expectation where are these criminals going to go. But the census or the inmate reports have decreased, not increased, every year. Where are these people? What's going on? And now, more than ever, our government is talking about prison reform, which is another way of saying open the gate and let them out. So, episode number 30, uh, we're going to look at where is happening to these jails. What jail? And we're going to be talking about where are they going? What are they turning into? Are they selling these properties? Are there gold mines inside these jails? That's right. Gold mines inside these jails. Things that can't be reproduced. And a lot of them are going to the wayside one by one. So that's up on the next El Police Radio. Folks, we always want to keep you informed. Our fight to dissolve the Bolshevik communist left from eroding our criminal justice system as it continues to have its tentacles in our law enforcement agencies, coming up with goofy ideas, policies, and every day getting worse. Has your agency or your jurisdiction where you live, has it been infected by that cancerous cell, better known as liberalism? which is also categorized as a mental disorder. Well, if you want to know more about that criminal enterprise infiltrating law enforcement, then you can come right here, lpoliceradio.com. That's our address. Scroll down, and there you will find us on social networks. Folks, connect to our social networks while they last, because I don't think Facebook has much to go. And uh, we're going to be having a show on that one in the near future. Why is the crazy left attacking their own? Hmm. Now, before we break away, and it occurred to me, and, and I know I already did the segment on what's next, I want to talk about um, not only the next program, April 12th, Jail, What Jail? We spoke about that. April 19th, How to Develop School Security. That's coming up. I really didn't talk about it, but we'll leave that one on for the following show. But I want to start headlining one called Libertà or Liberty. And that will be April 26th. I'll leave you before we cut off today. This is going to be a straight depiction of how the wacky left thinks. 
we're going to have a communist socialist explain to you the importance of firearms. What? That's totally contradicting what's happening today. I know it is. I'm going to place it to you on this show, on the exiting out in Spanish. Basically, I'll give you a synopsis, and that's how we're going to end our show, with that Spanish segment, because the the speaker only speaks that, that one language, Spanish. It's a communist socialist, but basically says that the only way that they could have defeated the enemy and gotten what they had was through arms. The same hypocrisy when they took over, they confiscated everybody's weapon. Sound familiar? Well, it's happened in many nations. But I definitely want to uplift you in concentrating on our April 26th show, Liberta or Liberty. Listen to this. Have a blessed day. Sobre la cuestión acerca de si la lucha armada es el único camino para la liberación, lo que puedo responder es que, por lo menos en las condiciones de nuestro país, no había otro camino. Y en nuestra opinión, en las condiciones de la inmensa mayoría de los países de América Latina, no hay otro camino que la lucha armada. Y esa parece ser la situación también en muchos otros países de Asia y de África. Por lo general siempre el imperialismo cuenta con todos los medios aliados con las oligarquías de cada uno de los países para impedir eh, el triunfo democrático de de la revolución y tiene atado a los pueblos por una especie de nudo gordiano que solo se puede quebrar mediante la lucha armada además el camino de la lucha armada no es el camino que hayan escogido los revolucionarios sino es el camino que los opresores le han impuesto a los pueblos y los pueblos entonces tienen dos alternativas o doblegarse o luchar didn't understand a word he said. Don't worry about it. I'll explain it to you April 26. Deared by so many on the left. Oh, if they could only shake his hand when he was alive. Wear his beret. Smell the aroma of his cigar. Place their fingers through his beard. Yes, the immortal. The legend of legends for all leftists. A mentor to Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York City, Governor Domo over in New York, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and the list goes on. Who was he? Fidel Castro. That's right, folks. April 26th. Catch it. I'm out. Let's roll.
Radio. Police Radio.